Welcome to Culture Couch, a pop culture podcast. Ooh, this one smells yummy. Dude, this one smells like a nice old lemon, which is appropriate. Yeah. Um, what have you got over there? I have another, and I freaking hate this. Oh, I like the brand, but I hate their name. It's the... Line and Kugel. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the name. Uh, but I have their Lemon Haze IPA. Uh, and it is a 4.9%. Uh, it's interesting. I've never had like a flavored IPA like this where they did like a lemon IPA. So I'm very curious what this is going to taste like. Yeah. But mine has like way more of a description on the can than yours does. Mine has one on the back. Oh, it does. Oh, that's the back. Okay. It just a dumb bitch. Just tells me that this is a deliciously balanced hazy IPA that brings together notes of juicy lemons with citrus bitterness of American and German hops. Nice. So. And you had a line in Kugel last time or last week. It just these are from the variety pack. That yeah. I bought. That's good. It's a little. It's pretty hoppy still. I mean, it's an IPA, mm-hmm. but I would say it's like a six and a half. Six and a half. Wasn't the last one you gave a 10? Yeah. Yeah. Because it was grapefruit, right? And you were surprised by how much you liked it? I think so. Yeah. I think it was. Or was it... I don't remember what I had last. Mm-hmm. We've had so many beers, man. I know. At this game. point, it's it's so hard to remember what we've done. That's why some recommendations would be nice. <laughs> but yeah, I've got... So six out of 10 for you. Um, I've got a line in Google as well. It's Juicy Peach. 4.4 percent um yeah i mean not a whole lot to it i love me the fruity beers you know that it does say it's tart so i also like the tart beers yeah you like the tart and the sour beers oh that's delicious and i don't usually like peach flavored drinks they're kind of a like a hit or miss for me and it's usually like really far one way or really far the other way but this is really really good Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to give this an eight. This is a delicious summer beer. Dude, Lion Kegel is summer, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they kind of show on their cans. It's like people paddleboarding and kayaking and their summer shandy is so good. Yeah, this is a really good one. I don't know why I haven't thought to try these before because I see them all the time. Yeah, no, they're great. They're a great like summer enjoy. Oh, yeah. Eight out of 10 for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Well, let's go have a seat on the culture couch. Let's do it. All right. Well, you have had an exciting week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you were gone. And you had an exciting week. Yes, I did. Uh, Yeah, I was gone. I actually had some of the best beer tasting I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. I mean... Where'd you go? Well, I was in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And someone would say, well, why'd you go to Minnesota? And I... Last week, before I went, would have also said, Minneapolis does not seem like the coolest city in the world. However, it quickly became one of my favorite cities I've been to. Really? I would say, like, I would rather go back to Minneapolis than San Francisco. I've never been to San Francisco, so I can't say, but I've not heard a lot of great things about San Francisco. So I'm not, like, super drawn to it. Like, San Fran and L.A., I would rather go to Minneapolis and yeah. it's kind of by the end of the trip, it kind of got up there with Seattle as far as how much I enjoyed it. Oh, like, really? I almost think I would go there over Seattle because Damn. it's 
the weather is super great and the people are so nice. Yeah. Like everyone we met was so nice, so friendly. People don't drive like they're the only person on the road. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they're it's just great. Yeah. And um, their beer uh culture. Yeah, was their good. beer scene is phenomenal. So we went to like I don't even remember four or five breweries in the four or five days we were there. We tried a bunch of local beers at like um, you know, just different restaurants we were at and stuff. Mm -hmm. Every almost every beer we had was local. And all of them were like sevens or above. I mean, yeah. everything was great. Like the whole, I mean, we were at the airport and our waitress recommended some beers to us. And they were, again, it was just like local beers and they were all just amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife had a beer that was called like a key lime sour and it literally tasted like a key lime pie. That sounds amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. Cause it probably adds like the kind of bread yeast flavor that would complement key lime very well. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was a sour, so you still had, like, the sourness, which mm -hmm. is fun. But, yeah, man, I, I got, we got to go back and take the podcast on the road and just, like, hit, like, 10 breweries. It was awesome. I would love to do, like, a brewery tour. I've never, like, actually gone to a tour of one specific brewery, but, like, going to a place that has a bunch of them and just kind of, like, brewery hopping. Yeah, so that's essentially what we did. I wish I remembered the name of... Um, the company we did it with, they had a bus. It was like a, like a kindergarten size. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like a full, you know, it was like an eight row bus, if that. Yeah. And there was five of us. And this guy, he's like, drink as much as you want. Like, I'm driving you around. And That's awesome. He's like, and Minnesota law, you can drink in the bus, but you can't have an open drink between the bar and the bus. Okay. And so the first bar we went to, we all had two drinks. And he's, he was so nice. His name was Eric, like the friendliest dude. I've got to find the name of the company and tell everyone so that way you guys can go do this if you're ever there. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone that likes beer tours. And so we had two beers there, got in the bus, drove to another one. We had two beers and he goes, he comes to our table and he's like, I grabbed us a six pack for the road. He goes, this is a beer that they don't have very often and they happen to have it and they only have it in can right now. Mm -hmm. And he goes, it's one of my favorite beers. It was this lemon lime, delicious, delicious beer. And so he grabs it. We get in the bus. I pass them all around and we all chug one in the van. We had like six minutes between breweries. Mm -hmm. So we just chug them down, get to our last brewery. We, I put them on our story too. Um, so if you guys saw those. And if anyone is wondering which ones I went to, just message us and I'm happy to share those again. Um, and we stopped there at our last place and it was just creme de la creme, man. All yeah. three of them were like <clears throat> 10 out of 10s. The vibes were super cool. Everyone was super friendly again. Like That's one thing that I love about like the culture of drinking is it's always such like an inviting environment, I feel. Obviously, you have your jackasses that get belligerent when they drink too much, but I feel like the people who like really appreciate beer and alcohol or like liquor they're not the kind of people who drink and get out of control yeah you know i just i always that's why i enjoy the drinking culture it's always fun yeah i agree i actually want to find to see if there's something like that here to take us around some of the local ones yeah the microbreweries around here and because there's a couple smaller ones that i don't know of that'd be fun yeah so for sure and they're cool mm -hmm. well that sounds like you had a good time yeah, it was and great. It was for your anniversary. So happy anniversary to you and five. Five years. It's like the big like yeah. we filled up a hand. That's man. a pretty good milestone. Yeah. Yeah. That's five years. That's 
a lot has happened in those five years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, as you guys can see, this topic this week is one that is very close to home, close to heart. We are going to talk about Pride. Or not Pride. So sorry. It is Pride Month, so we are going to talk about coming out. And you will hear later on in the episode, we have three guest speakers as well. And while Andrew was out, I was the one that orchestrated those interviews and talked to them. And two of them are gay men who told me their or we discussed their coming out stories. And then the third one was my mother who told her perspective as a parent of a child who comes out to her, you know, and I thought that was really important to get the parental experience or the parental perspective on coming out. I just thought that was unique and fun to have. Um, but Andrew and I would like to discuss our favorite coming out scenes from TV and movies to kind of keep it still in the pop culture area and realm. So, yeah, Andrew, go ahead and... Okay. I There's, like, some recency bias for sure on this. Right. But my one of... Because there's a couple that do it well. Mine's newer as well. So, my the one I'm going to do is Shit's Creek. Okay. And I love it because it's a disaster. Yeah. It's, like, a beautiful disaster, though. But it's a beautiful disaster. Yeah. Yes. Like, so, spoiler warnings, but, like... How long does a show have to be come out before we don't have to give a spoiler? Honestly, I say if a show has been out for a full calendar year, you don't have grounds to be bothered by spoilers at this point. Okay. Well, I take back my spoiler warning then yeah. at this point. Uh, Patrick is um, in a relationship with David, and but Patrick's parents don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, David invites Patrick's parents in for a surprise birthday party. And David's dad meets him at the hotel. Patrick's parents don't even know that he's in a relationship. Yes. Let alone in a relationship with a man. Last they knew, he was dating a woman, and but he bro- they broke up. Yeah, they were engaged. They were engaged. Yeah. yeah. And so so um, Patrick's parents run into David's parents, uh, David's dad. And David's dad is just an awkward mess all the time. Mm-hmm. He, he tries so hard to be such a good parent, but he's so bad at it so well, many times. And he also tries to like save awkward situations that he gets himself into. Yes. And it just makes it worse. Like, he never claws his way out successfully. It's always just, it's like, shut up. Just shut up. Uh, so he uh, uh, awkwardly. He, he basically outs Patrick, outs Patrick to, his parents. to his parents. Yeah. And his parents are, like, shocked, which for a lot of reasons, they're probably shocked. Like, he's in a relationship. Mm-hmm. He's in a relationship with a man. Who the hell are these people? Like, yeah. there's a lot to be shocked about for them. Yeah. Right? But in Johnny's defense... Like, I think it's pretty safe to assume that your kid's significant other, both of which are well into adulthood, like in their 30s, you would. it's safe to assume that the other party's yes. parents know. And they've been dating for a while. Yeah. So it's not like it was like a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love is David goes to talk to his parents. And when they start talking, it seems like they're going to be like, pissed mm-hmm. you know how come he didn't like um not why he didn't tell us but like how could he do this to us what did we do wrong did yeah. we raise him wrong because it's one of those typical comedy shows where they're notorious for conversations not getting finished or people yes. interrupting and they never go back to the conversation that's like the one flaw the show has that drives me insane but it also adds to the humor yes but they're not actually mad that He's gay. Mm-hmm. They're just mad that they didn't put him in an environment to tell him. 
Yeah. Or and that they made him feel like he couldn't. He couldn't. And so he, they feel like they failed him as a parent. Mm-hmm. And then I love when they go to tell, when he, when Patrick goes to tell his parents and Patrick's mom is just like, over 180%. Yeah. Like way over just the like top. really trying to reassure him that she doesn't care but it's, it's just like, like we love just, you no matter what just pump your brakes like before he's even said anything she's like we still love you regardless like we love you no matter what you do with your life yeah <laughs> like just okay relax a little and his It'll dad is just like mm-hmm. calm down yeah let him talk yeah yeah it was a very beautiful scene and in a way it was like it Cause it's always nice to see the good coming out scenes. Cause obviously, I mean, that's not the case for everybody. It's not yeah. everybody's lucky like that to have parents like that. Um, and yeah, it's just really nice to see that someone who comes from a background of parents that may not accept them completely do. And they're just like, we don't, we don't care. We just want you to be happy cause you're our child. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely one of the best scenes and the way and everything that led up to it was just a fucking shit show, but it was also really awesome. And just the way David handled the whole situation was great. And how he told Patrick when Patrick was like having an anxiety attack, basically about talking to them. He's like, listen, this is entirely your situation. You don't have to say anything. And I can pretend to not be your boyfriend if you want. Yeah. He's like, cause it's, this is entirely yours. So I just thought that it was, it was really great how he handled it. Even though he kind of did have to tell him at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but how David was just reassuring him. Like, yeah. We are going to be fine no matter what happens. So right. you do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It was really good. Really wholesome. Sweet. What is your favorite? Um, one of? my Yeah. One of. Mine is also kind of recency bias. The movie's been out or came out within the last five years, but it's from Love, Simon. Have you seen Love, Simon? I have not. What? It's so good. It's a coming of age story about a kid who's discovering he's gay. You know, anyway, it's really, really good. And he's like kind of got a secret pen pal and he's been chatting with this person that he knows that goes to school with him. And the whole movie just kind of like him trying to figure out who it is. And anyway, he comes out to his parents and it's the conversation that he has with his mom, who is played by Jennifer Garner. And because he's still just unsure of how she would handle it. And she just says, you know, at the end of the day, you are a child and that's the only thing that matters. And she's like, but what's most important is you now get to be entirely yourself. Like you get to exhale now, like you don't have to hold your breath around us anymore. And there are other things that she talks about that are very real perspectives for parents. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good. And you know, all these different things. And she tells him, like, she reassures him that you are still the same person that you have always been the same one that we like to tease the same one that sometimes is, you know, lies to his sister to tell her that her food is good, even though it sucks when she cooks for the family. Like, he's like, you're the same exact person. It's just now we know this a little bit more about you and we can understand you now. So it was just beautiful. If you haven't seen it, Andrew, Please go see it because it is a beautiful, beautiful story. I'll have to check but, it out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think without further ado, we can just hop in and we'll skip pop culture on the radar this week. There is a lot to update you on, at least for me, because I've been catching up on a lot of stuff. Andrew's been a little bit behind because of travels and whatnot. So we will skip that for this week, but we'll just jump right into our guest speakers we have here. Perfect. 
All right. So our first guest is Ryan, and I will let him introduce himself. Right. Hey, thanks for having me on yeah. here. I'm very excited. This yeah. is fun. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, this is great. So um, we actually decided that we wanted to do this every year and have like highlight some other people in the LGBTQ community to talk about their coming out stories. Love so, that. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, yeah, you can give us an introduction how we know you. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Ryan. I um, know Andrew. I met Andrew um, while working at a theater. Mm-hmm. And I worked with his dad. And then his dad brought on his two sons, and I became friends with both of them. And then Andrew and you met, and that's how you and I became friends. Yep. And Ryan also, what was your official title for the Pride Festival? I was the entertainment director. Entertainment director. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's the one who organized all of that. So when we volunteered a few weeks ago, that he's yeah, our main Yeah, and contact. you guys were my lifesavers. I could not have done it without you. You guys were fantastic. It was so much fun. And it we was were, a we lot were of work. Super glad to be a part of it. I'm glad. Thanks for coming. Rewarding experience for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I guess you can kind of just start wherever you want. Okay. Like your years of when you realized that you were gay. Okay. Yeah. Just kind of. Well, I I knew I was gay from a child. I was eight years old. I remember being, um, I'm LDS. Well, I was LDS. And I remember being interviewed for my baptism and thinking, I wonder if I should mention that I like boys, but I never did. And, um, so I knew from a really young age, but I always thought that I would like grow out of it. Like you would mature out of it. Some kind of, you go through puberty and then all of a sudden be straight, you know, or something. I don't know. I think we were all in that. Same right. Boat. You think yeah. like you're in denial thinking that you'll just grow out of it. And then it was in high school when I realized that this wasn't going away mm-hmm. and it was stuck, you know? Yeah. And, uh, my family was very active in the LDS church and that was a huge burden for me, you know, because the church teaches you that at that time they taught you that even being gay was a sin. Mm -hmm. And they have now changed that to you can be gay, you just can't act on it, which is so stupid. Anyway, (laughs) so I was in high school and, and I was trying to suppress all those feelings. And I thought that it would kill my mother if she found out that I was gay. Mm -hmm. And, um, I turned 18 and I remember me and a friend went and I was the first one to turn 18 and we went to a porn star to buy a magazine, right? Oh, a porn store. Sorry. A porn porn star. Like, hey, you knew a porn star at 18 in Utah? (laughs) No. To buy a magazine because I was 18 and could and Mm. I was the oldest one. And um, we go in there and I was with my friend. And so, of course, we buy straight porn. Right. And then maybe four hours later, I I go back by myself uh-huh. and I bought the magazine that I wanted. Uh-huh. And the guy at the counter was like looking at me all funny, like, weren't you just in here? <laughs> anyway. So it was. Don't ask questions. Yeah, don't ask questions. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of how my upbringing was. And um, I was kind of coerced very strongly to go on a mission, even though I didn't really want to go. Um, but anyway, so I went on a mission and I thought that if I told my bishop that I was having gay feelings that I could kind of get out, right? Get out of the mission. Get out of going on a mission. And I knew that it would kill my parents, but I thought this is my one chance, right? Mm -hmm. So my bishop at the time um, was this old guy and he was so sweet. He was a really great guy. And I went and I told him, I said, I I like guys. And uh, he, I don't blame him, but he said this really thing, this really awful thing to me, he said, you know, if you go on a mission and serve your full two years faithfully, the Lord will bless you with heterosexual feelings. 
And not only was that a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. To a kid. Yeah. But I believed him. Mm -hmm. I, I was like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So I go on my mission and I serve the full two years. And about six months into it, I realized that I wasn't changing Mm -hmm. and that I was surrounded by young, hot men. Right. And it was only exacerbating the problem. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I internalized it. I thought it was because I had done something wrong, Mm -hmm. which is another fucked up thing to have your kid think that, right? Yeah. Which just goes to show you the kind of culture that we have here. Yes. Like, you know, it it's so awful. It's so awful. And and it goes to show why so many LDS kids are killing themselves in Utah. Mm-hmm. And the church knows it. They know it. And they're just turning a blind eye because they don't want to, they don't want to have that smear on them. But it's the absolute truth. Kids are being told, whether through culture or in actual words, that they are less than for something that they can't change. Mm-hmm. And so they're killing themselves. Yeah. And then that kind of like brings in the whole argument of, is it a choice or are you born that way? But I'm sorry, but who in their right fucking mind who was born here and right. grew up here would ever choose that? Right. And my dad uh, has has been a, an advocate of mine. Mm-hmm. And he has said... Um, That's good, because I actually haven't heard a lot about your dad. I was going to ask you. Yeah, we're a little estranged, was. but I'll oh, tell you about okay. him. Cool. Um, but uh, he... One of the prophets had said something that was a little derogatory about uh, making it a, a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. And my dad, it was during the time of Facebook, you know, when it was popular. And my dad put on there, you know, when did you make the choice to be straight? Yeah. And it's true. Like, any straight people who out there are listening, like, think about it. Did you wake up one day and go, hmm, I think I like vagina? You know? Yeah. It just well, doesn't how happen. How many times have you been asked, I mean, aside from today, but like, how many times have you been asked, when did you know that you were gay? Or like, right. you know, countless times, right? Yeah. It's like, well, when did you know that you were straight? Right? You just know. You just know. You just know. Or not even not when do you know, but how do you know? It's yeah. Like, it's not rocket science. It's right. It's just feelings is all <laughs> right? it is. Feelings. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I served my mission and then I came home and I had a girlfriend the whole time I was on my mission. We were riding the whole time and I was going to come home. I got home on December 5th and I was going to propose on December 25th because that's what you do. You get home from your mission, you get married, have mm-hmm. kids. And uh, so the running up to Christmas when I was going to propose, I was praying and I thought, I, is this what I want to do? And I just knew, obviously, that it wasn't what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. instead of proposing on Christmas, we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. But thankfully, you know, like. Thankfully. And she is like, now cray cray, this oh. girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, for multiple reasons for, then. You, yes, I dodged like... many bullets. <laughs> and uh, But I continued to date. Um, and I would go on several dates. With, I'd be set up on blind dates. And I would. I was in the singles ward. And I would, you know, date girls from the ward. And. I just hated it. And um, there was one girl who I started dating who I actually really enjoyed. She was really sweet. And I thought, I need to see if I can have sex with a woman. To see if it'll change you or anything. To see if it'll change me and to see if I can, like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, this young lady was really sweet. And we um, were – the relationship was going forward. And we decided that we wanted to have sex. And so um, we both were in the room taking off our garments, which was a little weird. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so we started, you know, engaging. And um, about halfway through, I was losing interest. Yeah. And in order to keep going, I had to 
think of other things in my head, right? And I was thinking of people that I knew that I had crushes on Mm -hmm. that were men. And while I was doing that, I thought this is so unfair to both her and I. Yeah. Because I I shouldn't have to think of other person people when I'm having sex. I should be engaged with that person. Mm -hmm. And how unfair is it for her that I can't even enjoy her anyway? So it was at that time that I decided that I was going to be done with women altogether. So um, we had, as the relationship was reaching a climax, I decided it was done. Yeah. And we had talked and um, we broke it off and, and then I just didn't date for about four years. And so uh, I was 26 and at that time my brother had built a house and he had a whole bottom layer that was like a mother-in-law apartment. And that's where my mom, me and my little sister lived. And uh, I had moved back home because I was trying to go to school and I couldn't afford an apartment. So I moved back home with my mom in my brother's house. And I had a box of my pornography that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. that was gay, you know? And uh, I just had it in a little box and I had put it away in my room well, my room also had a storage area where they would keep like golf carts and Christmas ornaments and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so anyway, um, I had lived there for maybe three or four months. And then my brother was like, hey, do you want to go for a ride with me? I need some help. Oh, so boy. I said, sure. <laughs> so I get in the car with him in the truck and we start driving. And he's like, you know that I love you, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, like, I love you how you are, who you are, what you are. I just love you. And I was like, this is a strange conversation as we're going to like the Home Depot, right? Yeah, but thanks. But like- <laughs> okay, yeah, great, thanks. And uh, he was like, so he pulled over and he's like, I just, I want you to know that I know and that I love you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I went in to go get my golf clubs and I needed to find my golf balls. And I looked in your box and there in the box, there was some magazines and I, my heart just sunk. Like you didn't, you weren't even thinking that. I wasn't thinking that. I didn't know what he was talking about. Right. And, and so I, um, my mouth was dry and I couldn't talk and I was like, okay. And he's like, I just want you to know that like, that's okay. He's like, I love you. So I didn't necessarily come out of the closet, but was kind of gently coerced, yeah, pulled out, kind of pulled out of the from closet. my brother, yeah. right? And um, and I just said, I I'm just not ready to talk about it yet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's fine. He's like, I just I love you. And so we way, went. In a way, do you think that that's like nicer almost than having to slay the beast yourself? Yeah, for sure. That support means everything, right? Yeah. Well, just not even that, but like how somebody else like discovered it and then was able to talk to you about it. Uh, For sure. That would have been easier than you just coming forth and telling someone. I think yes, a hundred percent. Because if you are thinking, okay, I'm, I've decided I'm going to tell someone, then you've got butterflies. You're you're worried about it. You're stressing about it. You know, you you got to make a big deal of it and. I didn't have to deal with any of that, right? I just was pulled straight out, right? And um, which is maybe not the case for everybody. That's not how everyone wants to do it. But for me, it was great. Mm -hmm. And um, I just said, you know, I'm not quite ready to talk about it yet, but I thank you for telling me you love me. And that's really great. And your support means a lot to me. And then we never discussed it the rest of the trip. We went to Home Depot, came home, did whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So then um, maybe a month later, 
my mom and my sister and I were in Vegas seeing some shows and hanging out. And we were at the slots just waiting. We had a, we were going to go see a show. So we were waiting. And um, this guy walked by who was beautiful mm-hmm. and I was watching him, right? I was watching him walk by and my mom noticed that I was watching him and she just said, you should go get his number. And I was like, How awesome. Like, that's <laughs> yeah, so awesome, I was gobsmacked. Also like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And I looked at her and she just looked at me and she winked at me and she was like, you know, go, go see if he's interested. And I was like, okay, first of all, I'm with my mom and my sister. So no, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and second of all, wow. You know, that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So that was my coming out story. I, I never had an official meeting. I never had, you know, my family just kind of said, like, we accept you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And later on, I had talked to them and I said, you know, did you guys know that I was gay? And they were like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, the whole reason I didn't come out earlier is because I thought that if I came out to you, then I would be ostracized by the family. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's like, that's such a, uh, it's just so hard because, like, there are probably so many parents that wouldn't treat their kids like that. Right. But the kids don't know that. Yeah. Because they've been told from day one that that is absolutely not an option. And not only that, but you hear so many stories of unfortunate children who Mm -hmm. are disowned by their parents, who are, you know, chastised and thrown out. And and when you think about it, I mean, could you ever do that to your children if you had any? It doesn't make sense to me. Makes zero sense to me. Because at the end of the day, who fucking cares who they sleep with? And as long as they're happy and they're taken care of, why does that matter? Yes. And so. and so you hear those stories and so you get worried. And what's funny is um, my family, while crazy, <laughs> have been uber supportive of me. And that was a huge um, benefit to me. And not only that, but I think it made me understand my own heavenly parents in that if my parents, who are definitely imperfect, Mm -hmm. can accept me and love me for who I am, a heavenly being who is perfect could only love me more More. and accept me more. Yeah. And so um, that was a big thing for me. And I had mentioned my dad and I were estranged, right? My dad and my mom got divorced years and years ago, and my dad kind of... um, kind of abandoned the family. He, he, we would try and contact him and he just was uninterested. And, and so, um, when I saw that on Facebook, him standing up for me, that was really, was this after you guys had been estranged that you saw this? On yes. Facebook? Oh. I hadn't talked to my dad for probably two years and I saw it on Facebook and I don't know if he was standing up for me or all LGBT people in general, but mm-hmm. just that support but alone. I'm, I'm sure that the fact that he had a gay son that he sure that's what sparked that i'm sure i agree i would think that as well um and we have talked since and when i told him that i was going to be the entertainment director for pride he um was super supportive and he started like sharing the stuff i was sharing on facebook oh, cool. like yeah so yeah just i i was very fortunate to have a family who did not disown me and who loved me and supported me for who I was, which is not always the case in Utah. No, it's not. And that's the same for me. Like my, my family were, was great. I mean, and my parents have always raised us to be like, question everything. Mm. If it doesn't feel right, question it, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't, which is exactly the opposite of what the church teaches. Mm -hmm. And just my mom always too, just was like, you guys have to think for yourselves. If these are things that you want to discover, 
then great. We we can help you. We can take you to church if that's what you want to do. But just know that we will never force you to do anything that you don't want to do. And Which is how life should be. It's how it right? should be. It's how being a human should be. Yes. Like, and I don't understand why it's so hard for so many people. But I mean, at the same time, those parents were then also, you know, brought up into it when yes. they were kids. And so it's... it's. And I understand a parent... Um, Wanting the best for the children, right? And so yeah. if the parent says, this religion has brought me joy and has brought me happiness and purpose and meaning. So obviously it would bring my child the same Yes, thing. I want that for you as well. Yeah. But not everyone finds purpose and meaning in the same things, right? right. And so, yeah, so that's my story. Uh, nothing too extreme, but um, it it made me feel, it changed my life. Just mm-hmm. those few couple encounters and yeah. it, it made my life better. And it just makes it so much easier to just exist mm-hmm. when your family knows. Yeah. You know, like it's Think just... of all those kids that if they had, if their parents had just said, we don't, we, we love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they would still be alive. Yep. Because it, just the, someone. The one place of security you should be able to go to is your home. Yes. And if you can't have that, then what do you have? Yes. And it's, it's hard. And there's a lot of people that can find that in friends, which is really great. But I mean, most of the time, you need your family. Yeah. And your friends are a great support system. But if mm-hmm. you don't feel that support at home, it it can be hard to manage life that way. Yeah. You know, and if you are the friend that is being supportive to your LGBTQ friends, keep doing it. Because yes. even if their family isn't helping, though, any support helps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. And I think that that's the biggest part is hearing voices from people who aren't LGBTQ. Who are LGBTQ. And they you know, are advocating for us because that it's just, it's extremely helpful. Which is a little tangent. I don't know if we have time for this. You can edit out if we need to, Mm -hmm. but that a little tangent from the pride week is that we had, um, I had a bunch of people who contacted me and were very upset that we were allowing straight people to perform at pride. Like performers were contacting you? Yeah. Uh, gay performers were contacting me saying, um, we are upset that you have taken away our time to give to straight performers. And while I understand the sentiment, mm-hmm. um, my job as the entertainment director was to find entertaining acts who could, who a had to support the pride center mm-hmm. and had to support LGBTQ persons. And mm-hmm. after that, they had to be talented. Right. Yeah. And so I wasn't giving up spots because they were straight or gay. I was giving up spots because they were qualified, <laughs> qualified, right? Yeah. I was finding people who could entertain the crowd. And who were also obviously willing to come and play at a pride organization. Right. So and obviously that, they had to even apply. You yeah. had to, you know, obviously you had to go to the website and then you had to answer all these questions. Like, how are you supportive of the LGBTQ community? And how are you engaged with it pride? And, and so anyone who's applying is, obviously an advocate. Right. And so I replied back to these people and I was like, it's, it's crazy to me that you are wanting to alienate these straight allies Mm -hmm. when we are finally getting them to stand up with us and hold our hands and say, we support you. Yeah. That's what we need. Especially when you've been screaming and like crying for it. Yes. When we've been saying it, you're just going to spit in the face of it. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, that's the opposite direction of what we need to go. And they're trying to exclusivize it, Mm -hmm. if that's even a word, when we need to generalize it. We need to make it more acceptable to everybody. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, straight people who are standing up for us, man, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It means the world. It means the world. Um, Well, yeah, I think that 
wraps us up. But yeah, thank you so much for thank you for having for me coming on and doing this. It was really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to making this a ongoing thing. Um, do you have an unpopular opinion for us? I do. <laughs> I don't believe that anybody actually enjoys golf. <laughs> I don't either. And at least if those that say they do, I don't understand how. I I cannot wrap my head around it. I've tried golfing several times. Yes. It I don't get it. I enjoy being out with my friends and in the sun and riding around on the cart and drinking, yeah. you know, whatever and hanging out, but hitting that fucking ball is a nightmare yeah and standing in the sun roasting alive like <laughs> if i'm gonna be out in the sun like i want to be in the shade yeah I, either in the shade or like hiking or i mean granted yeah. everybody has their preferences but i don't understand the preference for golf i don't either it's it, like and people who can watch golf on tv uh, oh my god it, like, I, th- I don't those... think they like it. I think they think it's trendy, and so they want to like it, but I don't yeah. think they really do. The only thing that I think is good about golf is they their outfits always look really good. Yeah. Other yeah. than that, I don't I don't understand it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's probably going to be very unpopular, especially with Andrew. I know Andrew loves Andrew it. Loves golf. Loves it, and I and I'll go with him, but I just mm. sit in the car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like I'd just be like the the. The one who tends to the beer. Yes. And uh, cheers uh, people on. Yeah, I'll sit there and, and let you golf while I sit in the cart and, and relax. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Ryan. Thank you, it Skylar. Was, it was awesome having you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Our next guest is the marvelous Isera that <laughs> I met for the first time at the Pride Festival. He was one of the performers on the stage that I managed. Um, so yeah. Do you want to go ahead and give us an introduction? Hi. Thanks, Skylar. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Thanks for coming. <laughs> no problem. I, I'm, my name is Asara. And uh, yep. Yeah. A little, <laughs> little background where you got into music. Like, Sure. Um, I'm, I, I was born to two Samoan parents. Mm-hmm. You know, Samoan people are very musical. So yeah, I, that's I've true. been, yeah, I, I think I've sung longer than I've talked. It's really? just something we've always done since we were kids. Mm-hmm. So, well, if any of you get the chance, you definitely need to hear him perform because oh. it one of the best voices I've ever heard. And I'm not saying that just because you're here. Like, oh. truly, one of the best voices I've ever heard. Thank you, Skylar. Um, so, yeah, want to just give us your coming out story and how that went for you? Sure. <laughs> my, com- my coming out story is kind of weird. I, I mean, first of all, I, like when I began coming out, it was the early 2000s. So, it was yeah. like pre-social media. Um, so pre the flow of lots of information, Mm -hmm. do you feel like that made it harder than it would be now? Like, do you, um, harder is one word. Um, another word that comes to mind is, is longer. It it made the process longer. You can't reach the masses like you can now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Today you could post on Facebook and literally the whole world knows you're gay. Mm -hmm. But back then it was like, no, like I told one person at a time. Yeah. Honestly. Um, the, the first person I ever told was one of my best friends in high school. I think we were 17. Um, and he, he cornered me in the mall one day and said, I have something to tell you. I'm bisexual. And I was oh. like, oh, oh, funny. You mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so do you have anything to tell me? And I was like, okay, I'm gay. <laughs> and I had literally never spoken it out loud. And he was like, okay, cool. cool. And that was it. And that was, that was it. We went back to his girlfriend and we played DDR. Like that was that conversation. (laughs) Um, so I, 
I started to slowly come out to people. After that, I had a boyfriend at 18, right before I graduated high school, who was, you know, first boyfriends are never the best boyfriends. So it was, right. it was an interesting situation. I applied for one college because I didn't want to go to school. After mm-hmm. high school, I thought, I'm going to run away and be a pop star. Why do I need to go to college? Yeah. That one college was BYU-Idaho. I got right. in mm-hmm. and my parents made me go. <laughs> Nice. How long did you go for? One year. It's all I lasted. Yeah. (laughs) One year too many. One one year too many. Yeah. I went back into the closet at the end of that summer, went to school, tried to like repent all the gay away and everything. After Um, you even had a boyfriend? After I'd had a boyfriend, after I'd lost my virginity, all of that stuff. Like, um, but I just packed it all away into its own place, went to BYU, Idaho, met an amazing man that like i fell in love with him and we started dating like a month into going to school there um it was just after 9 11 had happened it was like a crazy time um and i just kept doing this like we dated for like two months we broke up um i went back in the closet like i I would meet someone else it lasts like two months go back in the closet um but that summer that next summer I was planning on putting in my mission papers to go do a Mormon mission. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one day I got called into the bishop's office, I thought, for some normal thing. And immediately he's he's like, who's this boy? And he names my ex-boyfriend from BYU-Idaho. Um, and This was the first boy that you started dating when you went to BYU-Idaho. To BYU. Yep. And he made me tell him everything. He said, he said, his bishop called me. I know that you two did things. So he talked to his bishop. Yes. His, he had talked to his bishop. His bishop had forced every name out of him. Um, and then his bishop contacted all of us, all, all of our bishops. And uh, people think that that's okay. I don't understand right. that. that. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> that was the biggest, I would call that the start of my actual coming out. Mm-hmm. Cause he, cause you were forced out. I was forced out. he, my bishop told me I was going to have a bishop's council, an official one soon, um, to make a decision, which would be um, disfellowshipment. I didn't have the Melchizedek priesthood or anything yet. Yeah. I hadn't been to the temple. So he's like, oh, otherwise you'd be exed, but we're going to disfellowship you. And your first, like, the first part of your recourse is to come out to your parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to immediately go home and tell my parents that I was gay. And if you didn't, what what would they do? Like, I, I don't know. But I didn't know enough back then. I thought, well, that's what God wants me to do now. It's so crazy the fear tactic that they can use to... Yeah. You know, <laughs> even an adult, like, in that situation. Because I'm yes. assuming you were an adult at that point. But yes. it's just crazy the hold they have. Yes. I, I mean, so I'm this 19-year-old boy who, like, first of all, I'm freaked out because now I have to tell my parents I can't go on a yeah. mission. And then you on top of that, why you can't go on a mission. Yes, because yeah. my mom thought I was going in for an interview about getting the Melchizedek priesthood. She was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew she wouldn't want to hear that. But like, mm-hmm. I spent three hours that evening coming out to my mom and explaining to her that I had... I, I The first thing I said was, I got in trouble because I broke the law of chastity. Mm-hmm. And she said with a girl and i said no so do you think she kind of knew <laughs> oh i think moms always know yeah they, they definitely do yeah Mine i think did. it's their fault no i'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> <laughs> but your mom knew too yeah she did oh yeah she didn't like ever say anything about it but yeah she she knew but mm. my mom's also very intuitive so she yeah it's a nice quality can't, can't hide anything from her 
Doesn't that Which suck was, sometimes? It was hard growing up with her. Sometimes she could see right through everything. Ooh, but she also kind of passed that to me, <clears throat> which is really nice. See, yes. So, so thank you, mom. Yep. Because <laughs> I'm really good at sniffing out bullshit. Uh, see, that's a. I think that's a really strong superpower. Because yeah. we don't Honestly, all have that. It is. And some people need it. Like, you know. Yeah. Anyway. I'm getting better at that. But my mom knew. And the the thing I sensed with her while we were talking was that she was trying to figure out who to blame. Mm -hmm. And so I finally said like, mom, this is not your fault. This is not anyone's fault. Yeah. Um, There's no fault to be had. Yeah. And she was like, well, (laughs) thank you. And I was like, well, do you still love me? And she said, well, of course, Mm -hmm. but don't tell your dad. I'll tell him. (laughs) So I didn't talk to my dad for three days. He sulked and cried. I overheard him crying a few times. Oh, so she told him, she told him, were you, and you weren't living with them. I was, I was living with them because it was the transition period before my mission. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) I was living with them and then that turned into a longer period of time. Um, so yeah, my dad finally, three days later, like 5 AM, no one else was up. I don't know why I was up, but he finally talked to me and like kind of told me how disappointed he was, but whatever i was still his son yada yada i don't really remember the details but okay um like disappointed that you weren't going on a mission or disappointed just with the by whole subject everything, by everything. yeah mm-hmm. the fact that i was choosing to be gay and stuff like that you know that lovely word <laughs> choosing <laughs> which is funny now because if i could choose now i would mm-hmm. i'd be like yes make me gay yes queen but back then like hell no like i i I went into like conversion therapy after that you did myself yes oh my god like i I had made other friends in the local ysa ward who were gay and still trying to be very mormon my best friend at the time was getting re-baptized after being exed for four years for being gay and doing gay stuff and went through conversion therapy he was going through conversion therapy like i went and took part in like evergreen i went and like i did group therapy sessions like i i paid for this stuff myself i never asked my parents to do any anything to help in fact i just kind of kept them out of it i I was in their ward at the time Mm -hmm. and three months into it i was like "I, i can't like their bishop talks to them they're like best friends like and I know my parents are just like, tell me everything about Asera and like what he's telling you in the interviews, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And he would. And so I would just be like, no, I, I finally left um, so I could deal with it on my own. Did um, they like, when you left conversion therapy, were they, did they let you go easily? Like, is that? Um, I honestly, I had it so easy compared to most people. people yes. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like, I think because I was going of my own volition, I got to call the shots, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I never did anything that was like too much more than I was comfortable with. I never had to do anything violent or like take like really crazy abuse. Um, I had to sit through a lot of like psychological talks that didn't make mm-hmm. sense and that I would never put anyone else through now. But yeah. <laughs> I, I thank goodness I wasn't like starved or beat or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I kind of gradually just stopped doing it. I, I think, um, I projected that I was this very, like I, I got refellowshipped into the church after like a year and a half. I was like 21, 22 at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was still like playing the piano and the organ. I was still teaching Sunday school. I was like the EQ secretary. Mm-hmm. So gaysist. <laughs> but <laughs> they made me the secretary at one point. Uh, like I I projected that I was this very like well-adjusted Mormon who happened to be gay. Yeah. And so I think so did other people that, know at that point then? Like Yes. Like, um I I <clears throat> I had made lots of friends. Um and you know how it is when you're Mormon, if, if you sing or play, play the piano, you know, have those kinds of talents, people just think the world of you. And mm-hmm. so, um, I, I think people let me kind of be myself cause they were like, Oh, I love listening to him sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he Which comes in a to way is like, is so selfish of them. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause I also did it for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that I paid lots of money to learn to do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's another topic though, but, but yes, I continue to come out to people here and there. Um, I think I finally like stood in front of the congregation and said I was gay probably like 2008. And so I had, I had been like where I'd been for quite a while I'd become very comfortable. Um, but I had followed this pattern of like, I would meet a guy that I really liked mm-hmm. and was into. We'd like date each other for two months. I would sabotage it. And I would be like, that's God's way of telling me that being gay is bad. And I'd start over. And for two years, just like recommit to not acting out on my gayness, but accepting that I was gay and that I was fine. Um, that's, and I did that over and over for 10 years. God, <laughs> that sucks. Like the fact that you felt that you had to do it that way, just, mm-hmm. and like, there were so many years that you could have just lived, you know, I know, but you're living now. I am so, living now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got lucky, you know, I, I got a job in 2010, um, on cruise ships, mm-hmm. getting to sing on cruise ships that took me out of where I was living in Washington, where I, you know, went to church every Sunday and was so active. Like I was like the vice president at Institute at one point, like I was just so engulfed. I never got displaced from the church fully. So I didn't have to figure out what my life would be like without it. Yeah. Um, and I got so much positive validation for choosing to not act out on my gay feelings, um, for, dumping guys and suitors, you know, and for, for doing what I was doing. Um, and as soon as like all of that was not distracting me and I was on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean with no internet and like (laughs) where people didn't know me, um, I got that presented me with this opportunity to really examine who I was and who I wanted to be and what I was going to do the rest of my life. Like I was, um, like, hitting that 30 precipice yeah and was single as ever and and i would just like look around like i had just been a ballroom dancer for four years professionally before that Mm -hmm. and i had like taught all these couples who was preaching like oh you know love and commitment and joy through dancing and like um intimacy and and even there being told like well that's only for men and women you know, <laughs> outside of a, a Mormon setting, outside of a Mormon setting. Yeah. So literally everywhere I went, yeah, it was reinforced that 
that was for other people, not for me. Love was for other people, not for me. Relationships, yeah. no matter how healthy. And we see it. I mean, we've seen it as children in movies in every aspect of life. Like it's just always yeah. it's heterosexuality or nothing. Right. And it's, it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And do you know, you can say a lot of things like the cons about social media, mm-hmm. but gosh, social media did a lot to help me help pull me out of what I thought was normal. What mm-hmm. I, what was just heteronormativity. Yeah. But that's what I had been brainwashed to believe was the only type of normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for it because I, when I came back from cruise ships and at the end of 2014 and decided I was moving to Utah, um, one of the decisions I had made was I am going to give myself a fair chance to date, to fall in love. And you came to Utah for that? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? That's so strange. Well, I knew I couldn't go back to Washington. I couldn't go home because mm-hmm. what I feared the most was that I would get pulled back into the old life and the old person I was there. Yeah. And and I lived. Which, it's a high likelihood that that's exactly what would have happened. I, I was scared. I, I, I Seattle's such a liberal place, you know, and its surrounding areas are where I'm from. And but I just, I was just um, not willing to put myself in a place where I would uh, regress. So yeah. I came to Utah where my sister lives and was like. Okay, we would love to bring question, here. Like, why? Why did you come here? You know? <laughs> my I mean, little it's, sister. Utah's a great place outside of yeah <laughs> other things, but yeah. well, my sister came here when she was when her desire was to leave home and start fresh, uh-huh. um, and she knew that that's what I was doing, and she was like, "Come here, be with me. I would love for you to be, to be here with me." And so I lived with her for the first two years that I moved here, and mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Yeah, very accepting, very loving. You know, so. That's good. Cause it's not like that for everybody here. That's true. You I've know, seen that. Yeah. And I mean, I've stayed here. I've, I've born and raised here and I don't necessarily have a desire to leave. Cause I do like Utah. And I also like seeing the progress that Utah has made. Yes. I also do feel like it's very heavily influenced from people who have come from outside of Utah. Yes. That it's forcing Utah to become more progressive. Um, but yeah, I, it can be very much of a culture shock. Was it a culture shock for you in any way? Oh, hugely. You know, on, on cruise ships, I am interacting with people every day from like 65 different nations, mm-hmm. um, different traditions and faith beliefs and um, walks of life. And I, <laughs> I was leaving Indonesia. Um, I spent some time in Singapore and I flew to Utah to move to Orem in the dead of the December winter. <laughs> ah. So I just felt completely displaced from what I had been previously doing. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Yeah. So didn't know a soul except my sister and her family. And that's brave. Yeah. And yeah. I was tan AF, like in the middle of December uh-huh. in Utah. It didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having those genetics that help out with that. I get that all the time. Cause I'm, uh, my mom's half Guatemalan, so I got Ooh, uh, that tanning jeans. So everybody's like, how are you tan through December? I'm like, oh. Oh, my gosh. Superior jeans, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mom, again. Yeah. Yep, again. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, but that's... I. So I guess that's kind of... Back then, coming out was such a process mm-hmm. that I still believe in coming out and view it through the scope of um, the opposite of a one and done. Like... 
uh, I know I'm the I, I'm a pretty presenting homosexual. I'm pretty like la 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 la. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there are still people who are like, wait, like, did you just say you're boyfriend like not girlfriend you know and i have to come out to them and explain like yeah i'm i'm gay yeah do um, you still feel like get that little bit of anxiety still um not the way i used to i think i used to get i i used to call it anxiety where like oh god like i have to tell this person and what if they don't like that and then they won't like me like now i kind of feel excitement yeah oh like I get to brag that I have this amazing boyfriend, Chad. Like yeah. I get to brag that like I'm gay and love myself, you know, like not everybody is there. Yeah. So, cause like even like loving yourself is hard for straight people. So true. You know, it's yes. even sometimes that can be uh, intimidating for them. And then if they're not comfortable or like haven't been around gay people, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure you felt that where someone's like, not necessarily uncomfortable with the fact that you're gay. It's just, they don't know how to handle it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But it's still, it's still so strange that you chose to come to Utah. Cause I feel like that's a majority of the time is how people are, but there we're making progress that. though. Like now it's way more normalized. I feel. Oh, hands down. Especially yes. younger kids. Like, yes, it's, it's getting better. Yes. I have a very young family member who last year came out to me mm-hmm. and it was so moving to see like, they're they're not even a teenager yet yeah and already they're able to have these conversations with their parents where they're saying like i'm not like i like girls but i also like boys Mm -hmm. you know and and it's safe um they don't feel shame for it yeah Uh, and i think god like that would have been so nice when i was a kid but i'm so glad that our kids now have that yeah i'm grateful Mm -hmm. it's it's definitely I feel like now is a a good time. Well, depending on how you look at it, but now is a, a pretty good time. I feel for LGBT youth. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. they see themselves in TV mm-hmm. online. They're, they're seeing themselves everywhere now. And yeah. And I'm an advocate. Bad. I have a like diehard advocate for representation. Yes. I think it's so important. Even just like, for women and yes. know, little girls to, you know, with these Marvel movies now, like they get to see superheroes that are, look like them. Yes. And now like we're having more TV shows on Netflix where they're about young gay relationships. Like that would have been nice to have when I was a teenager right. you know? and just easily accessible. Well, and so. we are seeing more and more that mm-hmm. this type of representation, how truly important it is. Like if more people were seeing legitimate, I I don't I say that in quotes, but you know, um, strong adult women, yeah, um, who have abortions, yeah, or who have had them for whatever reasons, because there are a million reasons why. Mm-hmm. But if that was something that was seen and normatized in our culture, would that the decision of Roe v. Wade been overturned the way it was? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. And I know that that's a completely different topic, but I think it's great that now that um, things like contraception and gay marriage are are in the sights of those who want to do something terrible about those things. Yeah, I think one of the best defenses we have is representation. Mm-hmm. So that's if true. we show that as um, positive and wholesome and necessary, yeah, 
in the media that we consume. I I think that would be wonderful. Men need to come forward to and tell their story of Gosh. their experience with their wife or girlfriend getting right. an abortion. We, right. They, we need that. We need bishops to be coming forward and saying that. We need... We need uh, men who are considered, you know, all-American boys <laughs> coming forward and doing that. So, yeah. Anyway, that's another topic. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure <laughs> that's one that Andrew has up the pipeline that he's going to want to talk about uh, soon. So. Well, good. Yeah. It's I'll a be good listening. topic. Yeah. Yes. Well, great. Great. <laughs> um, well, do you have anything else you'd like to add to your story? Uh, to my story? Well, actually, I have a question for you. Okay. Um, how do you feel about coming out now? Like, do you feel like it's necessary for us to come out publicly, you know, make it like a big thing? Like, how do you feel about that? Mm. My view on coming out is that, um, I know that there are, there are views on both sides of it. Like, why do you need to come out? Um, I think it is important for, it is very important for everyone to feel like they are seen and heard and loved for who they truly are. Mm-hmm. Um, straight people like, you know, jocks, they come out and they, well, they go and just play their sport and they do their best and people embrace them for that. Mm-hmm. You know, dancers go and learn to tango yeah. <laughs> and they get applauded for that, you know? And sometimes, uh, a young LGBTQ person needs to stand up and say, this is how I feel. And it's different from some of my friends. Mm-hmm. And, but why does that make it any less valid? Exactly. It it's doesn't. all the same thing. Yeah. It's all the same thing. So you can call it coming out. You can call it being yourself. <clears throat> you can call it performing, at, you know, your talent, mm-hmm. whatever. To me, it's all under the umbrella of showing people who you are and letting people have the chance to, love you and embrace you for that. Yeah, for sure. I do believe that it is very much the individual experience and no one should ever be forced out. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it sucks that that happened to you. Um, Mm -hmm. And no one should be, uh, I don't feel like anybody should feel like they have to come out publicly, but I also want people to know that if they do, how much power that has mm-hmm. for other people who don't have the courage to do it. Yes. Even if it's just giving them that courage to come out to their family, like that's huge. And then to then see that or those people being truly themselves. Right. So like come out if you feel like you want to come out. And then once you do just be you and live your truth because other people are watching yes. and people that need to see it for themselves. Yes. You know, it's, it's very beneficial. Amen. So, oh gosh, did I just amen? I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yikes. Old habits die hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all right. Um, well, do you have an unpopular opinion to share? Oh my gosh, I did give some thought to this. Okay. My unpopular opinion is Backstreet Boys over in sync. I oh, said what I said. That is very unpopular with a lot of people, <laughs> but I kind of agree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like them both, but I yes. kind of agree. I'm a yeah. diehard Backstreet Boys fan. Yeah, their music's just a little bit more edgier. Oh, I love them. I love the boys. Yeah. Give me some Kevin Federline. Oh, is that his last name? No. I Isn't think that Kevin was Kevin Federline, one of Britney's That was Britney's ex. No, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Richardson. There. Give me ah, Kevin Richardson. Is. Give me Brian Luttrell. Yeah. Give me some Howie D. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming out to the podcast. It was oh, great to have you. Thank and you, Skylar. It's my pleasure. Yeah. I hope that your story helps anyone who's happened to be listening that needs to hear it. Me so. too. And they can always reach out to me if they want. I'm and on the Instagram. podcast too. Our <laughs> podcast is a very safe space for anybody who doesn't know who to talk to. So. Yes. Oh, Skylar, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was great to have you. All right. We have our final guest and i might say the most special of our guests um we have my mother on the podcast who is also an avid listener um so why don't you go ahead and give us an introduction hi skylar Mm -hmm. my name is elisa go forth and i am skylar's mom very uh avid listener of the podcast i love it i probably say obligatory listener but (laughs) (laughs) i love that you and Andrew have ventured out to do something different and maybe out of your comfort zone. And I love yelling the answers to my phone when you guys aren't sure of the questions. I think it's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I love getting ready for work uh, at three o'clock in the morning and listening to it. And then I, you know, your dad will say it's too loud, but I love it. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, well, as you know, this month is Pride Month, so we're recording an episode that's all about Pride um, and coming out. And we've recorded two interviews with other people that are gay, and I wanted to get the parent perspective of what it was like when your child came out to you, because I think that's an interesting take that we should also be taking into consideration with this whole coming out thing. So I'll just start by asking you a question. And as a parent, did you ever prepare to have the conversation in the event that you did have a gay child? So like long before you even knew, like when you had young little kids, did you prepare for that conversation? Right. No. no. I, I don't believe that that is a conversation that you prepare for. Mm-hmm. I believe as young parents, you don't sit down and think of all the conversations you should be prepared to have because as parents, you don't even know what the fuck you're doing. (laughs) So let alone, let alone, you know, trying to plan out or have conversations that you think may come or may not come. Mm -hmm. So I believe that is just hard because you don't know. Now, when you were little, mm-hmm. you did like particular things that I feel most boys did not like. Right. You liked Betty Spaghetti mm-hmm. dolls. Uh, you liked bath toys that were like mermaids. Mm-hmm. Now, at no point during us raising you as a child did we say, boys don't play with dolls or you can't have that. I know your dad was a little iffy about it because I feel like your dad comes from the place where he comes from is very, very hickish or something. If you, if you will. Uh, Now I also came from a time that is also weird, but I was more, I feel like I learned so much with riot and I learned so much with Judd as a parent that I 
took things that I was learning as I went Mm -hmm. to not worry about. So I was more, I was more happy to let you experience the things that you wanted to experience. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't, when you were young, because you were little, like four and five and six, and I was not worried about that at that time well, i just I, was i also wanted like all the action figures like all the superheroes all yes the, the rings people like, yes so it was a fair you mixture. were i just wanted toys yes you were very broad in your toy selection so there was not it was not like you wanted only girl toys there was very very few yeah. there was very few i mean you had one cabbage patch doll you had I don't know, maybe two toys that went in the bath that were girly like mermaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Betty Spaghetti. And it wasn't like Betty Spaghetti you even played with all the time. It was just every now and then, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, you had all the action figures. You had dinosaurs and animals and beast wars. And so nothing that made me start freaking out at a very young age. Yeah. So it like never crossed your mind to ever be like, oh, well, we may have to have this conversation with our kids or you kind of just, it wasn't even really a thought. It was not really a thought. Just in general. It wasn't. Just in general. Yes. Um, did I think about it mm-hmm. when you were a little older? Maybe because I thought that you had some feminine characteristics, mm-hmm. but Still, I I didn't stress about it. I don't think I really started worrying about it until you were older, Mm -hmm. like late high school. Yeah. So I never really worried about it a lot or thought, shit, I'm going to have to have this conversation or we are going to have to have this conversation. I think I might have worried a little bit about it in junior high. But sometimes I feel like parents just push those things to the back and say, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, I think is the, like, the better way to do it because no kid or person wants to be forced out, right? So I think it's best when they can come to their parents their own or on their own. And I mean, I also do feel like it's good when a parent and a child can have a close enough relationship that either one of them could ask questions. Um, So let me ask you this. As a parent, do you feel comfortable or do you think a parent should be able to ask their child? I feel like a parent and a child should have a close relationship as far as communication. I did not have that with my parents. I really wanted that to be different with my children. I wanted, I knew that at a very young age, as a young parent, Mm -hmm. that I wanted to make sure that my children could come to me and felt comfortable coming to me and talking to me about things, especially when you guys got in high school and those you know, junior high and high school, junior high, I feel like I still kind of panicked and was like more like, stern even though i yeah. feel like we were strict parents you guys you still like had you were strict parents yes i feel like we you guys had to have a curfew you guys had a bedtime you even in high school if you I remember wouldn't say, i wouldn't say that you were strict you just definitely 
I guess we you know, just had just, rules. Yeah, you just had we had structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I did want you guys to feel comfortable about talking, and I definitely wanted to keep that open communication. And it never once crossed my mind to where I said to myself, I'm just going to come out and ask him. Mm-hmm. I thought, I felt like that should be something that you came to us about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what were your immediate uh, emotions that you felt when I came out to you? Well, I remember, I wish I could remember the day and I wish I wrote it down. To be honest, I wish I would have kept everything like our conversation because I remember you texting me and saying, hey, I need to talk to you and dad tonight. Because at the time, if you remember, you did not live here. And so you made it like you wanted to have this conversation. And so obviously, you're trying to set up this conversation. I need to talk to you and dad. And so obviously, then I immediately from work, I'm texting your dad and I'm saying, okay, so Skylar is needing to talk to us tonight together. Uh, It sounds important. And I think by this time, we knew. Yeah. By this time, we knew. And so, or obviously, it was discussed between us. Right. And, but we still kind of just felt like when it happens, we'll worry about it. That was your dad's attitude too. We will worry, I'm not going to worry about it until it actually happens or until he tells us. Yeah. And because that's the way your dad is. And me, I'm the overthinker and I'm worried and I'm a worry wart. And so... I'm thinking about all of these things and trying to talk to him and your dad just doesn't communicate like that. And so, of course, I was nervous and I believe Shanna worked there at the time. And I think I said to Shanna, Skylar, I'm sure Natalie was there too. And I, but I know Shanna was, and I think I reached out to Tiffany and Tiffany I know, just said, just listen, don't, you know, don't panic. And so, you know, then I just kind of thought about it all day. Yeah, because I did text you fairly early in the day. You did? And I, because I was working full time, I think, so you had like all the afternoon to sit Mm -hmm. and stress about it, which is exactly what I would do in a situation like that. Um Yeah, I actually remember, I don't remember the exact day, but I do remember that there was something on my credit that, because I was trying to, I don't know what I was trying to do at the time, because I was working at the credit union, Mm -hmm. and it was some medical collection or something, and I was so pissed about it, because I was always really uh, proud of my credit. Yes. And when I found out about that, I just was so annoyed, because it was like, shortly after I turned 18, I had to have something looked at. I might have even been my... Your car. No, like what procedure, what medical procedure mm. I had done. I think it might have been something with that cortisone shot that I got in my shoulder. Possibly. Or something, I'm not sure. But they're like, no, um, because you're now an adult, you absolve any of that debt, and it is now yours. And I didn't know about it. And 
anyway, and so by taking care of it and getting it all, like I had the money to just pay it and they were able to, or they worked with me and they said, okay, well, if you can pay it all right now, we'll take it off of your credit report completely. And I was like, okay, great, do it. Let's just pay it, whatever. And it was a very empowering feeling to be able to do that. And so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just rip all the band-aids off. And so that was my thought process. And so I was like, I'm going to text my parents and tell them that we're having this conversation. <laughs> but yeah. So I remember what you were wearing. I actually remember what I was wearing too. I was wearing maroon pants. Maroon right? pants. And a dark blue button up. And yes. And a black coat. Oh yeah. Cause it was cold. I think it was in spring. And I almost want to think it took you a while to take your coat off in your own home. Granted, you didn't live here, mm -hmm. but you, it took you a while to take it off and you sat right here in this chair, in, in chair. the, in the chair that's no longer here, but, um, and you sat and we sat on the couch and you cut right to it. You just said, I just wanted to talk to you both and I want, to let you guys know that I'm gay. Mm -hmm. And I remember, sorry. It's, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that you as a parent, it's not that you are sad that they're gay because that's not it. Mm -hmm. But, I remember telling you I was sad because I was concerned and worried about how hard your life would be. Yeah. And mostly like you were concerned about your child going through from, society. Yes, from the outside the pressures and stuff that yeah. Yes, the outside uh especially where we live. Yes, where we are prominent, you know, Mormon in this city. Um and so I was concerned about that. I remember your dad just sitting there, just he just remained quiet. Mm -hmm. And As he usually does. Yes. And I rem you know, every parent has this big notion of what they want for their children. They want they they envision their life with, you know, typical your typical average household with their children they picture if you have a if you have sons then they're going to marry girls and they're going to have children and you're going to have grandchildren and you can envision your life and their life and you are watching them grow with this great future and all of this stuff and so i remember I remember in a way I kind of had to mourn that. Mm -hmm. And then like literally my best friends, when I talked to my best friends about it, they're like, but do you not realize you can still have that? They'll just be different. They'll just, it's just a different way of, of, it's just a different way. Mm -hmm. And of course you have for that fleeting moment, at least for us, because we're a typical family of a lot of times we don't really give a shit about what people think, yeah. but for that split second, you do have the, the thought of, 
oh no, what are my religious family going to say? Or what are my religious friends going to say? Or what are my friends going to think? But I feel like for you, that comes from a place of like out of your mother bear side for me. I don't even think that was a, what are my religious family or friends going to think about my son being gay? I think that was more of a, or I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it would come more of a place from, again, protecting your child, not necessarily how they would think of you or judge you or judge the family. Or whatnot. I feel like it's, I feel like it was probably a little of both a to be honest. Bit. Yes. Because I feel like that's also normal, especially. I feel like up, that's normal. You grew up where you grew up, you know? Yeah. And you, everyone, you know, for some godforsaken reason, I have no idea if this is like where it, or if it's like this anywhere else that you live. But I feel like here, we're so hell bent on the people around here competing with the Joneses and you've got to have, you know, you got to make sure you go to church and you got to make sure what that looks like in your, your house and the outside of your house and your yard and your cars. And you've, you've got this preconceived idea about this is what you should have, yeah. but and that's not seems, fucking reality. Yeah, and it seems like here, a lot of people just don't know how to mind their goddamn business. No, they don't. And so you, you know, and when, Really, in all reality, I feel like our life was supposed to be like this. I feel like because we're very out of the norm family, I feel like we are. Yeah. Maybe we're the average of, family. I would say out of, exactly. I think we're out of the normal for the stigma that is a Utah family. Yes. But I think anywhere else we would be a completely normal family. Yes, probably. Yeah. And which is sad that we have been brainwashed to think that because we have, we have a son with a disability Mm -hmm. and, but then you look back, my grandma worked with your great grandma Lawton worked with kids with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Your dad and I both worked at a facility for disabled adults. I think that was in preparation for that. Yeah. And then we have, the middle child who is like a hellion granted he's never like broken laws or done anything that, but he broke out of the norm. He had, has you know, he has blended family has child out of wedlock. Like, so he is out of the, he is out of the norm stigma for here. And then we have the baby who, you know, is gay, yeah. but so we're not, we are not the average family. And I certainly don't pretend that we're perfect because my God, we're far from it. But I, I did just have that, you know, it, you kind of, as a parent, you go through that mourning part. It's a mourning period, I feel. And maybe not every parent feels like that, but I had to, I think, mourn for what I thought your life would be. And I certainly didn't want your life to be harder. So that part was, that part was heartbreaking. Yeah, because what parent wants their child's life to be hard? Yeah. So I didn't want that. Especially when theirs was. like. Yeah, I didn't want that for you. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, I never want 
anyone to be mean to you, even now that you are a 30 year old adult. I feel like if anybody said anything to you, I would be like, bitch, I'm going to cut you. Mm -hmm. I just know you, I don't want that for you. And I want you to find happiness and I want you to find, you know, that partner because I can't wait to introduce them to our crazy family. But, you know, on to be honest and fair, it is hard. And it took us a little bit, I think, to come to terms and even not that we really had to come to terms, so to speak. But I mean, obviously, we ex- we accepted it and you because we love you unconditionally. And it w- I'll never forget your dad standing up and hugging you and saying, I don't give a shit. You know, you're mine, you're ours, and we love you unconditionally. I can't exactly remember his words, which I wish I would have wrote it down because I feel like that was a very emotional moment for him. Mm -hmm. What I remember most about it, too, is I think just, again, out of your concern for the well-being of your child, you asked me, you said, do you, and this was after we had had the conversation, everything was kind of finished, but you had asked me, you said, do you want to explore options of therapy? Like, do you feel like you need, like, just, because you don't, you didn't know what I was going through. You didn't know what society was doing to my well-being, you know? And dad immediately just, like, looked at you and was like, what do you mean? He's He's here. He's doing what he needs to do you know which dad also has his own views on mental health meaning like he doesn't really look at it in the way that it should be looked at but and that was me i interpreted him saying that as being like he doesn't this is the help he needs right here he's coming to us for help or not help but he's letting us know so what why does he need anything else you know Right. Which to me was admirable because I felt like he was just immediately coming to bat for me. Not that. Right. That question. I don't feel like your question overstepped any boundaries or by any means. I just thought that you were asking that just to be sure that my mental health was where it should be. Yes. And because I wanted to, I wanted to make sure, not that I didn't think you didn't know who you were, but sometimes you just need help. And so I wanted to make sure that you were in a good place, that if this was where you wanted to be, uh, if you needed to explore other options, if you not conversion, let is, let's make that exactly clear. I did, was not saying, I want you to go to a therapist or do you need to go to a therapist because this is wrong, because that never fucking crossed my mind. Yeah. But I wanted to make yeah. sure that if you felt like you needed to talk to someone other than us yeah, that could. So you didn't feel bad because I remember a conversation taking place after regarding the church. And I remember when you were younger, you had a pretty strong testimony about the church that you were young, but then you told me, And I didn't want you to lose that faith in God. I've stressed this all the time that I, to you, sometimes I know you get annoyed about it, but I wanted you to maintain your relationship with God. And I remember you saying to me, 
I cannot be involved in a church that makes me feel bad about myself. And I will never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget those words you spoke. And then it was shortly after that, that I could no longer support the religion as well because other things were coming out. Other things were coming out. And if it is a choice between my child and someone or something else, I will choose my child every single time. Whether, it, and I've ex- expressed this, you know, anybody, no matter what it is in my life or what's happening, my child will come first. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a part of it. And I do not ever want you to feel out of place in our home, in our family. Never, never. We accept you and love you for who you are. And so it was very important to me that, you know, asking about the therapist and just seeing if that's what you know, you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, especially because not every kid is that lucky. They're not, you know, not, or to be in families that don't accept them. It's not the case for everybody. And you'll hear when this episode comes out, one of the stories that we have, it wasn't like incredibly intense for him, but it wasn't the case for him to be supported by everybody. And that's one thing that I just feel like I've completely lucked out with is everybody in my life has supported, has been super supportive of it. And yeah, it's just, that's, it's the parent's job. Yes. That is something that is so beyond my comprehension that I, I can't even, I don't even understand it. I, I do not understand it. I understand being a scared parent. I understand not knowing about, I mean, shit, we're still learning about the gay community and LGBT plus. Like, we don't know shit as far as I'm concerned. And I feel like we kind of know a little. Well, and even sometimes I don't know everything. And so I cannot fathom as a parent and your parent coming to you in probably one of their most vulnerable situations that they're ever going to be in. And they're telling you something about themselves. And you turning them away. They, they can't, out of all the people or all the situations in the world, how you cannot look at your child and embrace you. I remember hugging you that, that, and I mean, I remember crying. I remember your dad crying. Of course, you don't cry very rarely. More now but, than I used to. And I think that comes with, being an uncle actually that has but i don't know lot, i just i can't imagine turning your child away for 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 loving another person. for loving another person and and honestly one of our dear friends who we don't really see that much anymore rich yeah. if you remember right because he's gay but he told me once he said who you love and who what happens in the bedroom is like 
so little a part of who you are, who you are as a person. Like what goes on in the bedroom? If you're lucky, if you're lucky happens for 30 minutes. Yeah. And that is such a little time. No one should worry about that. Right. And it doesn't involve or interfere with the lives of literally anybody else. No, absolutely not. So why do you have all these people, you know, in the Supreme Court or in the walls of a church fighting so hard against it? It doesn't make a goddamn ounce of sense. No. And just to touch on... You know, when that first came out, if you remember correctly, when all that fallout came and we got asked to speak in church, because the, at the, the time with the um, in the Mormon church with children of same sex parents. Yes. Okay. Or if or was that, was that when they asked us to speak? Was mm-hmm. it when that came out? I thought yes, it was, that was before. It was. Nope. It was. There was a huge, there was a lot of fallout in the church. And so, of course, I look back at it now and I think they probably had ulterior motives for that. Maybe. I mean, but then again. I choose, I just don't care. Yeah. I kind of took it as my, I think that was the last time I went to a church or a church activity of any kind. I'm pretty sure that was the last time. I mean, maybe, no, I don't know. But I... I didn't stand up there and say, you know, and preach all these things, but I just, I did make it a point to be like, acceptance. You should be accepting everybody mm-hmm. for who they are, regardless. Yeah. And um, it was awesome because we, all of us, all in the family, wore some variation of a rainbow. Mm hmm. It was really funny. It was good because that's who, that is our life now, and we have to be supportive of it and we're not hiding we're not going to be in the closet i mean do i go around and say you know if i meet so or you know i have some one of my friends and i'm introducing you i don't say this is my gay son scholar because i think that is fucking ridiculous yeah because well, your sexual orientation is not your identity no it's such a small part of who you are i mean i don't know i just i think i've define you as a person yeah i think i've said that before is i don't never really understand how that sometimes happens when you're talking to a person. I have a son who's gay and you know, or this is my son. He's gay. What? I don't understand that. I don't go around saying this is my heterosexual son. You know, here you go. Like that's not, yeah, I don't get that. Yeah. It's strange. Some people are strange. Um, If you could tell parents something to help prepare them, what would you say? I would try to tell, I would tell them to try to be accepting of all the information that's coming out at them really quickly. Because once you start hearing it, I feel like your mind starts going like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Kind of all the things that I explained to you that was my concern or my worry, or is there something I could have done different? Or is there's something I did wrong or, you know, even the thought crossed my mind is by me letting him play with dolls. Did that happen? But obviously now when you don't, you know, that's not the case, but try to be open and try to be accepting and just take it 
kind of go with the flow, have the conversation. And then once you move past the conversation, it's all right to mourn the person or their life that you thought that they should have or that you envisioned that they would have and know that they can still have that life. And it's just different than what you thought, but it's still going to be a great life. It's still, you still have the possibility of, you know, more grandchildren or an awesome, hopefully they get an awesome partner and it's just going to be different than what they thought was normal. And to be patient with themselves, to read things that they aren't sure, to ask questions. I feel like I ask you questions sometimes when I don't know. And I'm like, why is this even happening? Or what do you think about this? Or why, why am I, you know seeing this or what does this mean? Or, you know, I've asked you lots of stuff and that's the way I have to learn. Luckily we have an open communication, which is so important. I feel like for them, for the males, for the dads, it's probably, they probably process things differently. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably a little harder for them, especially like the really manly men but they just I also think that just comes a part of the environment that they were brought up yes absolutely and the time you can teach a heterosexual man to be just as in tune with his emotions as anybody else yes like they can be conditioned to be compassionate it's not that hard and it's also not it's a very normal thing that should be happening and men should be able to be emotional and be comfortable being emotional Mm -hmm. I feel like that's true all right well to wrap up the whole pride thing because you're going to be our last speaker um well can I say something real quick oh yeah so I am proud of you just so you know Mm -hmm. I'm proud that you did come out to us in the way that you came out to us in a very mature way, not through text message or not through writing a letter or there's nothing wrong. An with that. email, if that's the, way, the safest way yes, you feel to do it. Then that by all means, yes, not that any way is right, right. or wrong. Cause that's not what I'm implying or saying at all. But I appreciate, I did appreciate the fact that you came to us in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember you telling you telling you you had to tell your brother, mm-hmm. um, which I know you were scared to do. Which I feel bad I wasn't about that. Scared necessarily. It was more. Well, I don't know. He definitely wasn't as easy as you were to like to tell. But which I also, never really understood why, and I think he it also didn't just, either. Like, rolled right off of his shoulder too. He's just like, "You're my brother. I don't give a shit." Yeah. Or do you want to go eat? Like, it was that easy. Like, he just didn't care. Yeah. He came home and he cried. He had a little bit harder time. Not that you were gay, uh-huh. but that you felt scared to tell him. Because I think you did tell him you were scared. That he felt bad that I was scared to tell him. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that was the hardest thing for him. But man, does he have your back. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's like my own personal pit bull, always has been. Yes. Yeah, so as hard as he can be sometimes and as hard as he is to get along with at times. He's an avid listener too, so hopefully he feels okay with you sharing he, that he cried. Oh yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Sorry, Judson. But I do remember him sitting there just being so emotional about that. Mm-hmm. And I know that he did reach out to one of his friends and just trying to, his own way, you know, yeah. cope with it and learn with, you know, accept it in his own way. But I am proud of the person that you have become. Thank and you. I love the fact that you don't hide that you're gay, but... I also love the way, I don't know if this is the right thing to say it, but I love the way that you handle your gayness. Mm -hmm. So you're not, you don't stand out and go, look at me, look at me, I am gay. You just blend in. Do you know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with standing out, because that's not what I'm saying. I feel like, I just feel like, Maybe I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I think I do, so let me take a swing at it. It's the... How some people just, like, make it their identity to be gay. Or, like... Well, because, I mean, it is a small part of your identity, sure, but... um, And how you said... Or just like you said, it's it does not matter. It's however you choose to express yourself is how you choose to express yourself. Absolutely. completely fine. But... Yeah, I mean, I can see that sometimes it can, it, it can just be a lot when people are, they're you know really throwing it out there for yes. to see, and it's like, isn't? I mean, there are some things that can stay private, you know. Not that you have to ever hide who you are. No, you should be able to express yourself completely as you want to. I just, I just admire the man, the young man that you are, mm-hmm. because. You definitely don't back away from it. You are proud of who you are. Yeah. And I just feel like you handle it well. I hope that no one will take offense to kind of what I was trying to convey because that's yeah. not what I'm that's not what I'm saying, but I sometimes wonder if it's just their own some people's own way of trying to accept who they are. Yeah. Or let people it's accept like they're trying to maybe validate themselves, which is great. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody, everybody does it differently and every, it's just boils down to it that it's just your personality and how yes. you choose to express yourself is how you do it. Yeah. I just love, I love that you've surrounded yourself with good people that are supportive. You really didn't lose any friends. No. You, you know, which I think is uncommon as well. Mm -hmm. And so that just goes to show that you've surrounded yourself with great people the whole time. Yeah. If anything, I feel like my friend circle has gotten closer in my years. And I've also been able to help educate a lot of people on the matter because there are a lot of people who just don't know. Us too. We learn stuff all the time. Yeah. Especially because they, you know, we're, they're raised here, so they're not exposed to it as much, but now it's way more common. Yeah. So now I feel like a lot of people don't really have a choice because, you know, we're here. Right. And I do think it's a good time to like, now's a good time for queer people to thrive. Granted, 
you know, there's terrible things that are happening to transgender people and queer people all the time that you hear about in the news, but I still do feel like we have become more progressive in society in general, and that's really cool. Yes, and I think it is important for people to hopefully they can, if they're still in the closet, that they feel comfortable enough to come out to people, Mm -hmm. whether it's even their best friend, if they feel like they can't do with their family. And I'm sure it's so obviously you hear stories from here, how hard it is to come out. Yeah. And it's, it's not anybody else's experience, but your own. Yeah. You have to do it on your own time. Do it on your own time when you want to, how you want to. But I can say from personal experience, even just telling one person, because I think two of my friends knew before I told you. Mm-hmm. But just having one person know just makes it that much easier. Because once people, once you are fully understood, it's almost like you can exhale. And yeah. I took that quote from Love Simon because Love Simon is one of the best, one of the like, best queer youth coming of age stories. Yes. And the, what his mom said to him, she's like, you finally get to exhale now. And it's so sad that people have to go around with those heavy weights on their shoulders. Well, the or too, there's probably still adults tons. who go around who are well into their 50s and 60s that still don't feel like they can. I know. Just because of, you know, where we are. And, I mean, I know that there are plenty of people around here specifically that probably, well, I don't know if they're here anymore, but, like, you know. Once, I, I use this little phrase all the time, but we can smell our own. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Yes. So, you know, <laughs> and I just probably knew that this one in particular person will probably never come out. Granted, I don't know. At the end of the day, you don't ever really know if someone is gay or not. But I feel like, like I said, we kind of do. Because you can see a bit of yourself in other people, you know? Yeah. And it just is sad that there are people out there that'll probably live their whole lives never being able to be who they are. So for that, I have to say thank you for giving me an environment where I could do that. So, yeah. And I also feel like that has reached out to other people too, because other people see how accepting you guys are as parents and everybody loves you as parents. Like I've had many comments from friends saying, man, I wish my parents were like your parents or, for whatever reason. It's just, it's not, I don't know. I don't feel like it's hard to just raise your children with love and affection and just let them know that whatever they do and whoever they are, they're going to be loved at the end of the day. Well, it's been a learning process because when I was, I was the parent so young. Right. But I'm just that saying. That it sucked, but. Do you think it is a difficult thing to just love your child? God no. <laughs> like I just don't think it's that hard. No, it, it be that hard. No, it's the best the best thing ever mm-hmm. is loving your child. And you know the reason why I am so protective. Yes. And you have understood that uh, especially the last probably 5 years. Mm-hmm. And that is a parent's main job is to protect and love and 
just love nurture yeah. their babies it's, yeah yeah and if you can't do that then you shouldn't be fucking having them nope just because you can procreate does not mean you should yes amen yeah um okay well we are pretty much almost at a full length episode awesome <laughs> so yeah this episode's gonna be really long but it'll be it's a really good one i'm actually very proud of this episode i'm so and glad we want to make this a yearly thing where we talk to other people of the community and hear their coming out stories yes it was really great to have the parental side so thank you for coming on to the show you're so welcome um although i was hoping to be a guest on the Harry Potter episode. We haven't had a Harry Potter episode yet, so never say never. Okay. <laughs> but I loved this one. Yeah. I loved being a part of it because I love my gay son mm-hmm. as I love my heterosexual sons. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. <laughs> um, well, you know very well that we have our segment of unpopular opinion. So do you yes. have one to share with us today? Yes. So my unpopular opinion is... I feel that it is only happens in Utah because I don't know that I've experienced it in any other state. Not that I have been to a million other states because I have not. But the one line thing in Utah drives me insane. You mean like a, a singular line so, like at a store? A singular something. line at a movie theater or at a store where there are multiple registers multiple tellers so if you for instance if you have a movie line and you have two cashiers that are doing tickets why in god's name do you get in one fucking line (laughs) you need to have two lines and as you know this because i've done it for a long long time I will say to people, are you in this line? Are you in this line? Because guess what, people? It doesn't matter if you go ahead of me or I go ahead of you. Pick a fucking line. Yeah. Why do we conf- like where they take make two and then they converge one line? One line. And just take whoever's next. I feel because Utah has this horrible habit of needing to be first or next. And they do not want to wait. So if you have this cashier that is slower than this cashier, then you've just got one line. So they're going to get served quicker or whatever the case may be. that's probably exactly why they do it. That is exactly why they do it. But you know what? If I pick the slow cashier, it's fine. I don't care if three people have been helped in front of me by the time I get up. I don't care. Your dad probably would but I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like literally we're all going to the same place. Just, I don't understand the one line thing. It is a fucking annoyance and I can't stand it. And people. It also congests a lot of things too. I feel like it does. You could take a line that's like 15 people long or well, let's split this up evenly. So it's easier for my head. So like 20 people long, you can take that 20 people long line and shorten it into two 10 person long lines. So they're not as long. It doesn't go down the whole aisle. Yes. It's kind of idiotic to I me. I do so not yeah. understand it. I agree. That is my unpopular opinion. All right. Well, thank you again for being willing to share your thoughts and feelings and emotions on the matter. Cause it is a very important and touchy subject. So you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course.
All right, there we have it from our three very wonderful speakers. Um, I'm so thankful that they were all willing and able to come on to the show. I wish you were here for it so you kind of could have sat in with that because it was a really cool experience. That's all right. I'm actually excited to listen to our podcast and be surprised. Yeah, and like actually listen to it as a listener. Yeah. 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 Instead of re-listening to something that you know we've already discussed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yes, big thank you to them. Um, do you have any thoughts you might want to share about coming out on your opinion on it or anything like that quickly? Oh, wow. I was not prepared for that question. Uh, um, I would say this is just coming off the cuff here, everyone, so it's mm-hmm. going to be kind of raw. But if you're unsure how to come out or you just need to practice you can reach out to us um, and we, Skylar or I, or Skylar and I would be happy to sit on a phone call with you to sometimes just having a sounding board is great. If you mm-hmm. need a safe place to just practice that conversation, we'd, we'd be happy to, um, to, to be here for you for that and uh, uh, do it in your own time and do it when you feel, feel when, when you feel ready. But that that's my opinion. That's awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well with that, I guess we can jump right into our unpopular opinion. Yeah. Now you've heard three others that are aren't ours for once. Yeah. Um, probably better unpopular <clears throat> opinions than ours. Maybe a little bit more fresh, probably. <laughs> uh, stale. Yeah. Some of ours, I feel like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. But what have you got for us? Okay. So we have the the technologies here to do this, um, and a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I think every time you start a car, you should have to do a breathalyzer. I totally agree. Like, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I agree. Like, it's not that big of a chore, and it would save an immense amount of driving. DUIs and yeah. deaths. Like, deaths. Like, yeah. That's why I meant driving accidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, essentially, you could never, no one could ever drive. Yeah. Are, are there some manufacturers that do that? So, the, I, do, I, I know there's, like, if you actually get a DUI or enough DUIs, they can force you to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend that actually had a breathalyzer in their vehicle. And they had to use it to start the car. And then sometimes throughout driving randomly, Mm -hmm. it would, they'd have to do it. it That's brilliant. And if not, the car would shut, it Mm -hmm. would put on the brakes and but also would kind of make sure that your attention is being held on your car all the time. Yeah. I don't know about doing the, the breathalyzer while you're driving. Yeah. That seems, cause that could be hazardous as well yeah like it's like a little too Anything much it distracts you and takes you away but just like sit in the car you know yeah that's brilliant yeah but i'm sure there's going to be some people out there that will say that's a violation of their human rights their freedoms their freedoms but let's keep our guns safe <laughs> yeah uh, my unpopular opinion is um, if you go into a movie with like a big franchise or a big pop, and I'm sure I've shed some light on this before, but if you go into it expecting all the cameos in the world, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Um, I keep seeing all this shit about star Wars with Obi-Wan and everybody's just like, it's not up to expectation and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, that's because you set up those expectations. Nobody set those up for you. So you can't be mad. And if you're going to be mad, you have to be mad at yourself for being a dumbass. That doesn't mean that it's a bad movie. And it doesn't mean that the story didn't flow because you didn't get your cameo that you wanted. So that's that. That's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. 
I just feel like Marvel has spoiled us with the cameos. And while still Marvel is pretty great, I mean, we've seen that some of their stories do fall pretty flat. But at the end of the day, I want to watch a movie that has good storytelling. I don't need cameos. I don't need this. I don't need that. You know, I just want them to make a good production. I think, though, like some stories, like comic book stories, cameos make more sense Mm -hmm. than like other right where you someone shows up yeah. so like that's what but in a solo like origin story or yeah. even a prequel and then like expecting some crazy big cameo like yeah. you're just but like it makes more sense in the comic book universe because yeah. everything's so tight but marvel has spoiled us so now we think all movies should have cameos mm-hmm. it's like no chill yeah it's true uh, yeah all right that's everything that's the tea this week um all right if you guys have real any, fast okay um saturday we're gonna do our finale for a bit. oh yes yeah we've been a little bit behind on that again with travels and whatnot but saturday our obi-wan finale will be out and then if you want us to cover a different show and do minis on that you can let us know by doing so and dming us on instagram at culturecouchpod at gmail.com and you can wait do... did you say instagram yeah culture couch pod is our instagram yes not gmail.com correct yeah. oh. but if you wanted to also give us shows to rec- or to watch and do minis on be recommendations or topic recommendations you can email us at culture couch pod at gmail.com <laughs> there we go and you can add us on twitter culture underscore couch yes that is all and as always thank you for listening and happy pride month